Oh, well, he'll grow up sometime. But at 15, 15, 15... Welcome back to part two of our top 10 films of 2022. In part one, me and Dan ran through our places from 10 to 6. Dan, uh, are you ready to rattle off your top five? I'll be rattling like a rattlesnake. Uh, Dan, just Just before... quickly, Luke, sorry, just to interrupt. Oh. Um, my um, my uncle, you know, you've met my uncle. Um, he always oh, used yeah. to say that um, he had a bit of a saying, and I think it's pertinent to this because he used to say... Um, when uh, when one door closes, another one opens. Anyway, he got fired the other day for being a terrible cabinet maker. Hey! <laughs> Sorry, your uncle wasn't even in conversation. Nothing to do with doors, nothing to do with carpentry. Where did that just go? <laughs> you said I could interrupt for jokes. <laughs> um, so, Dan, I think a good table setter would be to rattle off those that came at the back end of your top ten, your prestigious best yeah. uh 10 films of 2022 so why don't you start there what what do you what? want me to do 10 to 6 <laughs> sorry i didn't know it was that complex you said it in a six. weird way and you said rattle again which just <laughs> lost in my mind well i thought your uncle was gonna be like some rattlesnake guy i thought that's where you would no. go with that no Go on, 10 to 6. Uh, 10 to 6. In number 10 was Blonde. In number 9 was Chip and Dale. In number 8 was Glass Onion. Sorry, one second, one second, one second. We didn't quite hear that one. Was that Chippendales, the male strippers, strip that strip show, Chippendales? What, the one that's been quite controversial and is all over Disney Plus? No, it yes. was not. Oh. It was the animated reboot of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Of course. Sorry. In number eight is Glass Onion Knives Out Story. In number seven is Good Luck to You, Rio Grande. And in number six was the ITV thriller Decision to Leave. <laughs> Very good. Um, and I... Luke, batting yeah. it over to you, can you rattle off your 10 to 6? Yeah, 10 to 6. Brian and Charles, Banshee of Inishirin, Triangle Sadness, Nitrum, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. If you want more detail on them, Stop this right now. Go back to the previous episode. Watch it. Listen to it. However you want to do it. Um, just also two... listen to it because we need <laughs> the downloads. Just two films that that in the UK weren't released in 2022, so they're not in our list. So Spielberg's Fablemans, we haven't yeah. had a chance to see that, uh, and Tar, the one where Kate Blanchett's pretty much locked in for Best Oscar about the composer. We haven't had a chance Best to Oscar. see that. Best actress at the Oscars, yeah, the best yeah. Oscar. Her, she keeps hers polished. Yeah. Um, don't ask me which Oscar Isaacs is fuming. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's get into this then. So okay. I'll start uh, with nine number five. So number five. Mambo number five. Is uh, it's the third in Joachim Trier's Oslo trilogy, Dan. Oh, it's together now. The Norwegian yeah. coming of age film. <laughs> Worst person in the Worst world. World. <laughs> uh, so this is excellent. So. Um, Pray tell. Uh, so basically this is the story of julie who's uh, over an undisclosed period of time 
What the big the Julie, from, big Julie from the canteen, prison tax Julie <laughs> from our university days. I was going to say only people that went to university would get that reference, but I think even those would not get the reference now. Um, yeah. Oh, I free... thought you were going to say prison tax Julie is a pretty universal figure in everyone's life. <laughs> so Julie, the character in the film. Is caught in a limbo, so she's sort of flittering between boys. She's confused about adulthood. Oh, not that kind of limbo. And uh, for half the film, she's with a, a guy called Askin, who she sort of who, who he outgrows her because he's quite older than her. And in the second half of the film, she's with a guy called Evend, Evend, and uh, she That's outgrows a bit odd. him. And this idea of being caught in limbo is the whole point of the film. It's a film about indecision, really. And you're watching this lady sort of deal with maturity, incredibly talented, funny person but just never quite the character the correct or... path or, or who? the actress oh the character i don't know actress personally uh she'll be on next week um so yeah this this is the sort of film that has real energy and personality about it it's like it's, it's sort of the cool girl at a party that was a personified by a film that's what this film is and it's well observed it's funny and it's incredibly inventive as well my scene of the year is a moment in this film where she's with one boy, but she's sort of fantasizing about the other and she pauses time and runs like just frolics all the way through Oslo to get to this other guy and spends a day with him and then comes back and everyone is stopped and motionless. And it sounds corny, but it's just done perfectly. But yeah, uh, superly, uh, stupidly authentic film, uh, worth a watch. Number five, uh, worst person in the world. And on those playing bingo with, uh, I bet they didn't have frolic. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, when I thought, when I actually said that, I thought, God, I'm saying Frolic again. But when was the last time I said Frolic? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, great film. And, and it's, I guess it's technically a rom-com, but we don't, we don't want to sully it with that uh, description. Uh, no. Very good. Very good film. A rom-com. Okay. <laughs> Dan, number, number five for you. Well, I want to touch on um, something you said last week, which is about... Um, this sort of measurement on how long a film stays with you and it, and it's kind mm. of intrinsic worth in that sense. So listeners who want to follow our back catalogue will obviously remember when we did review Licorice Pizza and I was somewhat less than disparaging of it. Uh, and I don't, and we've made jokes about before how I've not seen any film. So, you know, any old film can get in. But in, in actual fact, um, this isn't the case with this one. I genuinely wanted to clean, include this in my top 10 because... It's a film that has sat with me for so long and I was quite harsh on it when I first reviewed it and I've sort of more I've thought back about it I've actually like given it a more favorable score I've revised my notes and I've put it up a score because um the sense of place that and his name has gone from my head Paul Thomas Anderson thank you Paul Thomas Anderson captures in this film is truly magnificent and it's a film that almost feels like a memory to me now as in I lived it I was there and I felt one with those characters who were so distinct and so genuine um, and, yeah, captured that moment in their life and that moment in time. That having watched it, I now feel like I was part of it. And I think that's quite a special thing that a film can do um, if it can create that sense of belonging to me. And I was quite unfavourable of it. Um, so I think for me, you know, that lo I've liked it longer I've stayed away actually proves its worth as a film. Um, I do still hold that issue of Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. I, just, <laughs> I don't it get it. I don't get it. And like the bit on the motorbike was weird, you know, with the, with, um, what's he called? The other one. Is it Sean Penn? Is he in this film oh, as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sean Penn. That bit was kind of a nice vignette, oh, yeah. even though it was 
fucking balmy. But the yeah, Bradley Cooper one bit. was just almost a bridge too far. So that's why it's sort of it, it will always I'll always have that. But I think I've come around to this film ultimately, and his direction is so impeccable and the kind of depth he's created with those characters which is actually something we see in a film which we'll talk about which is in my number two um Ooh. these kind of idea of these characters who are so fleshed out and yet you're only encountering them for a very brief period of time be it the film that you feel that you really understand them so yeah um it's That's licorice pizza that's so interesting that you've said your mood has changed because I did consider it for my top 10. It hasn't made my top 10. It probably should be 10th to be completely honest. It's better than Brandon Charles. We all know that. <laughs> but um, my my mind has changed it also. And I, I, I sort of was reflecting on it a little while ago. And my issue with the film slightly is just that the relationship, which I think, yeah. you, I think you picked this up with the first time of viewing as well, where you didn't, we weren't fully sold on this. Uh, the dynamic of the relationship as much and i agree with you that the whole f- the feel of the film is amazing absolutely love the feel of the film but the relationship at the center of it i i didn't really go with and despite the fact that the performances are amazing they're so good the performances are perfect are. yeah keep a seat so, yeah that's number five okay number four to me is decision to leave ring any ah, bells dan ring any bells so we touched on this last week so we won't go into too much detail it's on after Corey, I think, isn't it? <laughs> so, as well as as I said, the witty, the whimsical, the imaginative direction—it it just sort of—it it feels very throwback to me, despite how modern the veneer is. This is a true neo noir, whilst also being very Hitchcockian, cat and mouse. And for me, that tension and that Tom that and playing, Jerry, the playing between the two—I was hooked. I, and I felt this sort of the idea of infatuation that was palpable for me. And the film very much bases itself on these big pillars of death, uh, love, uh, sex, I guess, which is very similar in part to what's previous work. He likes to work in erotic thrillers. He's a bit of a seedy old man, to be honest. Um, but uh, you found I, a kindred spirit. <laughs> but I just found this incredibly fun, incredibly enjoyable. Um, out it, it feels the basement, yeah. It, it feels dense, the scratches on the seal. It feels dense uh, and it does need Did a second. Dense. It does need a second viewing, but for me, it's a film that, although it's long, the added symbolism and the added layers, it, it, I think it was worthy enough of going up a gear every time it needed to do. Um, one minor thing that I did, I think I mentioned last week. Luke, issue you've got to stay film. positive. I've told you about this before. I do want to you've say got this, to though, stay positive. Because Korean cinema is having this resurgence, very much in the West anyway, and more eyeballs are going on it. And there's a... a, a, a Bong Joon-ho's previous film, The Guy at the Parasite, one of his previous films is called Members of Murder, which is an unbelievable film. Basically, there's a character in that, which is the policeman's sidekick. Do you remember mm-hmm. the policeman's sidekick in this? He's, he's there for like the first half an hour. He's fucking well annoying. Basically, oh, not the not the cute little one in the second half? No, no, the, the, annoying, guy, the annoying guy. No, the re- super... Yeah, oh, yeah, I liked her as well. No, T- tell super, me more about her. The super she's, getting, an- she's getting a spin-off next week. <laughs> the super annoying guy. He was so contrived and completely taken from Members of Murder. That part wasn't good. But anyway, the rest of it, loved it. Performance is great. Uh, just super fun. And I think it, right. I think it's pretty solid recommendation. I, I feel quite confident. Even though it's a foreign film, I'd be very feel very confident uh, giving that to a non-racist. Uh, yeah, for all but... the all the mums, they'd like it, wouldn't they? <laughs> they'd really get into it. Okay. Anybody who likes Taggart. That's right. Taggart's getting a mention. My number four on a similar Taggart line is Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Ooh, okay. 
Yeah, so uh, I definitely didn't watch this in between episode one and two of this recording. So uh, it's definitely... Um... I thought you stayed quiet when I was talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to give you a floor to speak, Luke. Um, That's the first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my kind of... my One of my big standouts is Colin Farrell's performance in this. I think he's really exceptional. Um, and obviously the Golden Globes agree with me because they, uh, they gave him the Golden Globe for it. Mm-hmm. Um that character could have so easily been really ham-fisted and caricature and i thought he was actually really quite subtle with it and kind of portrayed that conflict in character um that 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 a situation like that in the banshees of inisherin would create on somebody like that i thought it was quite a genuine performance but also quite subtle and that whole subtlety of storytelling is something that really was impressed upon me um i didn't love it as much as i thought i would i was banged to rights that this was going to be my favorite film of the year when i saw that colin farrell and brendan gleason were going to be in this i'm you know um so but their subtlety just little things like the policeman and his son or the sister those storylines felt part of the film but not thrust to the front and not sort of labored over just quite delicately placed and left there for you to explore um, in your own time. Um, and the cinematography, I really love the colors. I thought they really kind of were very explicit in their sense of place and creating Ireland or in a Sheeran, but part of that Irish culture. So for me, those three were standouts. I mean, Brendan Gleeson was just doing Brendan Gleeson, but Brendan Gleeson doing Brendan Gleeson is pretty good. So he's good. Yeah. That he's that darkness to him. You know, that's that really serious in the done. When he's throwing the fingers and the, like when that happened in the cinema, the, people were gasping at that moment. Were they? You, you were oh, that also, you missed out the donkey. The donkey's the star of the show in this film. The oh yeah. Amazing. But that's a bit of a, I am legend moment, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like you kill anybody's pet, you're automatically oh, right. going to win. Um, but I did send you quite a, and you never replied to me. So thanks for that. But, my reading of it, um, you know, I it was one of those ones you really thought about, and actually the complexity of it and the subtlety of those that dynamic between the two of them was quite quite brilliant in a way. Um, it's great premise and it's a good mm. film, but you know, yeah, it's interesting. You picked up something I did. I think I said this last week, or maybe I just thought it. But his idea was when you get the setup of what this film is, I'm already going in there thinking, okay, this is anything less than an out of 10, I'm going to be disappointed. And it was it was only slightly less than that for me, like only yeah. slightly. But what did just, you give it? Eight and a half, something like that. I give it so eight, like, you see. Okay, I, I do really like it, but I was just a slightly, just wanted to put me over the edge. And I guess the, the idea of the, the, the folklore and the, the witch or whatever, she's going around and she, yeah. she beckons people across the lake and all of a sudden they've gone into the lake and have they been... She beckoned them in. I liked all those sort of undertones, but they weren't explored huge amounts. And I think they were pushed to the side because of this civil war stuff, which I didn't, I didn't feel was necessary. I know he's trying to create an allegory there for the step, the tale of what's going on with the island and love thy neighbor and all this stuff. But it was a bit lost on me, to be honest, that part. But uh, great film, really good. It film. just, it never kind of twisted the knife, I suppose, that In Bruges does. I suppose you've got to draw, you know, direct correlation. But that bit in In Bruges where they. The, the body falls like you're mm. like oh there was mm-hmm. never that moment what are you like <laughs> oh <laughs> um but makes in those levels yeah that and, and they're playing the music and he gets to the top yeah sorting that out that peaked um okay when well, i went to the top three top three this the big is, ones this gets serious now so my top three any of these could have been number one easily okay. um like, there was a home right. and drive for me no. there was a home and drive for me was there <laughs> 
I can't wait to hear what this is. I didn't know they were Chip and Nails did two films last year. Um, Okay, so my number two is Petit Maman. That movie. Petit Maman! Oui, oui! Si, si! Um, Ole! Hola! So, yeah, Petit Maman, which is Celine Sciamma. So that's the one who. French for small mother. Yes, who directed a portrait. For anybody who's seen The Traitors, uh, Meryl styles in this. (laughs) You have to explain the joke, Dan. What does she suffer from? (laughs) There you go. Um, So this is a super simple What does she suffer from? Not being able to reach the top cupboard. So so, we save these jokes for the other podcasts that no one listens to. I mean, this one is marginally better. So let's let's (laughs) ease off on the dwarfism. Um, So (laughs) Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is uh, the earlier film by Cillian Sciamma, which is one of my favorite films I've seen in about 10 years or so. Um, Very much like that one. She does something where any sort of frame, whatever she's capturing, she somehow managed to conjure up some huge emotion and, and weight and put them into scenes. And it's incredibly well done. It's, it's the way she did the discourse. She opens up with the actor, the freedom she gives them, just the clarity that she gives them. But she manages to do that so well. Anyway, the story, super simple. Yeah. Grandma yeah, dies. Sure. Grandma dies. Daughter, they go back to clean up the parents at the grandma's house. The daughter stays there. She makes a new friend. That's it. It's 72 minutes. It's It's the definition of short and sweet. But it just it just flows you when you get to end this film. It's it's poignant, it's memorable, it's wise. And all I could think of whilst I was watching this film and it was getting towards it was just becoming more and more profound to me was the idea of God, I can't wait to show this to my daughter, to my child, right? And I know I know when I do, I will kick myself. Best friend. I know I'll kick myself and I'm like, I put one ahead of this film. This film is just gorgeous, beautiful. It's a film about parenthood and I don't. I think it's just what I connect with slightly more when I'm older. But it's just a gorgeous, simple film, and it's, it's got these ideas of fairy tale and all these sort of undertones as well. And it's seventy two minutes. Dan, imagine how much my face beamed up when I found it was only seventy two minutes. I was like, Come and, on. and you watched it at one point two five. No, What's I didn't. That? It wasn't. It was fifty nine minutes. It was on movie, so yeah, no one point two five. I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, gorgeous, perfect film. Very, very, okay. very good. Can't Sounds it. good. I'll put that Did on the list. Did you catch? Yes. Did you catch... Yeah, I catched it. <laughs> I only had a nightmare. I only had 71 minutes. Couldn't watch it. Mm. Absolute nightmare. Still haven't seen it at the end. Yeah, Yeah, she was a dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) It was all shot incredibly close up. (laughs) Somebody write that down. (laughs) Somebody write that down. Genius. Um, So number three for me, and it's already in your list, is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, So we've touched on this quite a lot last week um but i just i suppose for me it it was just so well crafted from Mm. start to finish Mm. it's specifically like set pieces they felt really big in scale but so intrinsically part of the film it didn't feel like oh i've watched a set piece and now we're going back to the quiet stuff it all flowed in as one um but it might be the dialogue that stands out perhaps most of all. I thought the dialogue was really beautiful in this film. And there was a moment when she's in one of the parallel moment. It's before she's kind of gone back into the one we're in at the moment, like in the start throughout the main mm-hmm. course of the film. And she goes and talks to her daughter um, in outside the car and i just thought the dialogue there was so true and honest that it was really quite captivating and beautiful um and that scene along with a scene with rocks 
which I was almost crying at that scene with Rock. So the two, basically, mm. they go to Parallel Universe and there's two Rocks and they're talking. And I think if you've built up such strong characters and that you can then type, like it was typed, the dialogue was typed, and you know exactly the delivery and exactly the intonation and the meaning and the profoundness within those words, that A, that's testament to the acting, but also just, the script itself um and i think that for me you know i was really quite i think with a rocks with googly eyes as well do you know what i mean if you can create that level of intensity of character from script work and from screenplay but that that kind of combination for me just really resonated with me i'm so glad you said that part that's the exact part i watched this admittedly i watched this on my laptop in my bed yeah. I, my, I think my girlfriend was sewing or something at the time and I just sat there and the bit when they come back and they're in the power universe where the two little boulders yeah that transcends the film at that point I which I think I met out an audible gas was when I'm like yeah. oh wow okay this is legit this yeah is, this is this is a big boy film this is why like, I said when I said when I got to it last week when I, I only have it at number six but I said when I got to it I said okay my top six are stellar like these mm, are stellar because I think an, last yeah. year was such a good year film these top six are amazing for you it was your top is it top seven or top eight? Whatever Chippendales was, and that's that's what the, yeah from eight onwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, nine onwards. Sorry, <laughs> nine onwards. <laughs> Trim the fat with blonde. Yeah. Get it out of there. Yeah, just um, have to give it a nod. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, and don't you just aren't you so excited to see what they do next? Right. Mm. I mean, they'll probably get swallowed up by Hollywood and do some diluted and pretty shit. But if they do something as original as that, then you can't really complain. But yeah, very good. We spoke about it last week. Uh, I recommended it to my dad. He got half an hour in, turned it off. Um, okay, so... <laughs> like a fine wine. Takes time to age. Your father, I'm talking about. And yeah. his taste. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to number two. So just missing out on the top spot for me is uh, Charlotte Wells's After Sun. Oh... So after some minutes, number two, after some top, so many people's lists and so many and people do. It, but do it, they know what they're talking about, Luke? If it's not because it's not on our lists, is it? It's in or mine, it, but it's not top of your list, is it? No, 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 it's not top of my list. That was so, that was so ridiculous. Did it make the Guardians? <laughs> it made somebody's list, something like the Guardian Observer put it number one. I think Guardian yeah, did as fuck well. them. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay, so this is a film which recounts well, it, it's been sort of related this, and people you said this to as, me too today so don't you know give away too much i won't give away too much okay but, but it's got him hasn't it? it from uh it's got Paul young... Mascal. yeah oh Mascal. so basically sophie is the young daughter she's grown up and in fragment form we see her reflecting on a holiday she once had with her father as she now approaches adulthood herself uh, being a parent her. being a parent yes he bums her <laughs> being a parent herself so she's 11 her dad's 30 so they're actually quite near to each other in age and takes oh. to like a crappy holiday in your Greece. age hey yeah. if you know what i mean couple anyway, of years won't be and long the, and the film plays with texture and style and it, it really feels like only charlotte wells could have delivered this story and told the story the way she did and it's like thank god she did because this film is, it, this is another one that really does flow you. Like my second and third films are very similar. What, what do you mean flow you? <laughs> Flows, as in emotionally drained at the end of it. Oh, okay. You were drained <laughs> out of it. Did you know I did that? <laughs> you flowed you a lot. <laughs> darling, I'm um, flowing. So with texture, it's use of... Call me um, darling, I'm on the bus with you. <laughs> it's use of VCR. Uh, VCR? Well, a video recorder, you know what I mean? Um, adds this idea of nostalgia and you can't help yeah, but reflect inward on your previous holidays and parents trying and the idea is as she gets older she can now relate to her parents and her father 
back then and understand what he was going through because he's incredibly depressed, man. This will really resonate with me because on Facebook the other day, Deb's put that she's into uh, going to an Ibiza weekender at the local stately home. So, I mean, that's we're just so connecting. We're just relating. So, so as she understands and empathizes with him, um, well, we don't really get any... I guess the big part of this film for me is the idea that it's so sophisticated. It does something that so few films manage to do as it, it sort of displays and shows that which is unsaid. Okay. And it manages to, not to distill emotions to make them clear. Like you have to be, you have to be understand what you're watching to get this film. And you know me, I'm always, I'm all for a bit of, uh, you know, <laughs> keep the pigs at the trough. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a film that doesn't show all its cards, you know. It feels almost oh, like a poetic game. memory. That's kind of how this feels. And I also think it, it reflects, uh, the perception reflects the viewer. I okay. think it's so clever and sophisticated. It does that. Like, I'm someone who's quite neurotic and worrying. And I, I know I'll be that as fat. a parent. So all the way through the film. So, oh. <laughs> All the way through the film, I'm picturing this big fat man. No, all the way through the film, I'm picturing this idea of something horrendous is going to happen because you don't really know what's at play here. You know what I mean? You don't, and scenes never stay. They're like sad. You want a life's warriors. Yeah, you know what I mean? But scenes never stay and they've gone and you're trying to recall what's happened previously. And it's use of sound. Like all the sound is diegetic. So within the scene, apart from these unnerving uh, sort of uh, uh, jarring drone sounds that happen every time the daughter's on the screen she sort of has to make a decision and you just have this idea that something horrendous is going to happen but there will it... be blood <laughs> yeah well not as dramatic not as uh mental as Paul Thomas Anderson's uh well Johnny Greenwood in the boy <laughs> <laughs> drone sounds We're uh, doing all right. <laughs> how's but... Paul Meskel very very good is extremely he? good it's the first time I've seen him in something actually mm-hmm. Just obviously jealous. I was the only time I knew him before I was jealous because he's Phoebe Bridges' uh, boyfriend. <laughs> but um, he's ex- extremely good. Like he's, uh, yeah, his accolades are very much warranted. And he, okay. he might get an Oscar nom. I don't know. Oscar noms come out on the 24th. So I'll be very interested to see how this film does because critics adore it. It's, it's a small film. This is not a Hollywood film. This is. I know, but it's doing the rounds, isn't it, in all the lists. So I feel like it's starting to get oh, a bit of traction. Rounds. Yeah. So, um, you know. And anyone yeah. that watches this, this is this is an intense experience. You know, it, it how long is it? Emotions. I think it's less than two hours. I think it's an hour and forty. Okay. I am noticing very that nice actually. Digestible film. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of good films this year have been under two hours. Well, have you seen how frigging long Baby- Babylon is? That's another one that we haven't seen because Demetrius L's one. It's like three hours about Hollywood. Good and, oh, God, I said good. Yeah, it might be quite good. It's not going to be my sort of thing, but anyway. Okay, Dan, number two. Number two for me is nope you watched it i watched it oh, oh yes okay cool yeah nope so jordan peele's um latest you watched it on the big screen right on the big screen dan on i'm gonna jump screen. in with you here because this is my number one this is my is film it? of the year this is my film of the year well let's, let's, my, let's the word i've got let's do it together the word i've got is beguiling cinema that's my kind of um first note because so I didn't know. So somebody had said to me, I said I was going to watch it. I watched it last night. And somebody said to me, oh, have you? And they said, I've heard it's a bit weird. And I thought, oh, right. And then I've obviously mm-hmm. seen Get Out and mm-hmm. his thriller and how amazing that was. And Nope obviously conjures kind of ideas of that kind of horror mm-hmm. thriller again. So I was fully expecting it to be. And then it sort of started. And I thought, oh, okay. This isn't. I just didn't know what to expect. And. I was hooked. 
I really was. Not from the word go. I'll give it that. Not from the word go. But I thought, okay, this is a bit weird. This is a bit, I'm not kind of sure. Let's stick with it. Which way is it going to turn? And then there's a moment where they kind of, spoiler alert, it's to do with aliens i suppose or that's an enormous spoiler so i hope people have seen the film <laughs> i give them a spoiler alert but where there's some fake aliens and i thought oh okay this is a bit of a funny moment is this gonna is this the end for me and actually it wasn't it <laughs> the was the... <laughs> no and then I, it turned and it what's was on itv <laughs> my yeah. thing is still on <laughs> um and yeah, from that point on, I was totally hooked and totally yeah. invested and just couldn't, just was, be, yeah, beguiled by it all. Just So, uh, so I took this at number one because, so After Sun, Patima Man, beautiful, contained, gorgeous storytelling that I'll probably prefer in years' time. But yeah. I chose the big, boombastic, spectacle film because I know, you did, unfortunately, you get to see it at the cinema. Uh, Alice, it was incredible at a cinema because you, you get so excited to go in there. Um, for me, the film, I love about this, like you mentioned with Get Out, like how Get Out morphs between genres, right? So this one as well, like when it went for comedy, it hits comedy. Yeah. It was super funny, super sharp. Yeah, um, at times. When it aims for tension, it worked. I was entranced. It drew me in. I was trying to understand the symbolism, these whole allegories for Hollywood and the idea of spectacle and chewing people up and spitting them back out. And then the idea of the chimpanzee and this whole tension, Yeah, where was that just going? Crazy. Yeah. I love that whole idea. And then when it when it goes for terror, that works. So I was wriggling around in my seat. And then also when it goes for sci-fi, these huge... You have, you have got that uncomfortable sofa still, haven't you? <laughs> Wrestle sex syndrome. Um, <laughs> when it goes for sci-fi, I was amazed. And I was... Oh, yeah. I absolutely love this film. This is so... I love beguiling because I put that down. I put de- deliberately beguiling mm. the whole chimpanzee tra- tangent. And this is a film which is rich in symbolism, but not, not enough to deter people. Do you know what I mean? Like it'll it'll keep people there. And to me, this feels I know I'm not sure if you've seen Us yet, which is Peel's second one, which is an essential viewing. It's amazing, Us. But he feels like he's on this streak now. When Spielberg did uh what was Spielberg's in a row? He did something like Third Encounters, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jaws. He did like those four out of five films. Yeah, a couple good films in there. Yeah, you know what I mean? He feels like a modern version of that. Of he that. feels like someone to yeah. bring you into the cinema. And he he, he did set out to make a huge film, and that's exactly what this is. This is a, I, I love film. I, I kind of got this sense of a snapshot, and the way he was kind of cutting between, you know, with the horse's names, you kind mm. of get this element of snapshot. And But what I mean by that is that these characters exist, and they've existed before, and they'll exist after the film. And it felt mm-hmm. like we were watching a moment in their life. So you don't get clunky. You know, we start off with this kind of horse stuntman thing. That's the gimmick. And you think, is it going to go down this route? But actually, and a lot of filmmakers would make it quite central around that route. But actually, it's not that at all. It's about how that that their experience and their life, those characters, their life doing that, that stunt work, how that morphs into them it's about looking at their kind of um what makes them them what their kind of development previous to this and you know it will go on so of course in the big stunt scenes it becomes like you know a horse 
you know, they're doing horse stunts because that's what they know. And that's what their industry is. But it feels so real. It feels so genuine. That depth, that richness in the screenplay to give those characters that life in, you know, before and after the film we're watching. You know at the end that they're going to go on and continue and do what they were setting out to do. And you can kind of see the pressures and, <coughs> excuse me, the pressures and the constraints and the worries that they've had before. But all of that feels like it's not kind of thrown down your throat. It's just there. It's present for you to watch. But you'll view that through the characters going through this experience. To achieve that level of sophistication in a screenplay is just breathtaking really it really is i mean as a director now his oeuvre contains these three films each time he's gone up in scale um it's gone up in budget and he's managed to keep it as original as before yeah. as bold as before as unshackled as before and just to visualize it just the visual treats that we're entitled to in this film the idea of the, the blow-up men that are waving around as he, he leads the alien down there that you've never really seen before and it's funny as well as being sort of entrancing at the same time and just I, I, this film was so so good i think i liked it more than anyone else in the cinema by the way i was making all sorts of noises hmm. um we we should jump on to the final film though, Dan. Uh, Can I just say one. one 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 final thing, and it's it's a kind of reference to Arrival, which I know a film you loved, but I mm. loved how they personified the alien. The alien did not feel intrinsically bad, and yet it was the villain of the piece. And to create that kind of quite modern take on it felt very like Arrival, which kind of dealt as this as actually perhaps the humans or how we interact and how we respond to things is what we need to address not the thing itself uh, and especially kind of given the kind of conspiracy theories that they were throwing out um throughout the film kind of plays on that that actually you know they're not all bad but it not was all bad not all bad out. no yeah so that that's, no. i think that was really clever way of the personification of this alien on screen it was majestic it was beautiful it was scary it was a thing in its own right it was complex and all it did was be the villain. Okay, really good. Clever. We need to get... I'm, I'm sorry, Dan's just spoke for a good chunk of time there, but we actually have to also chuck back to him again now, so I do apologise, guys. But Dan, what is your number one film of the year? Do you think you know what it is? Yes. What is it? Belfast. Correct, no. <laughs> yeah, it is Belfast. I didn't watch it. I didn't bother watching it. Didn't bother watching it. <laughs> I knew I wouldn't like it. Well, you don't know because you haven't watched it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't seen Chippendales. <laughs> you saw 15 minutes of it. Yeah. Um, Go on. Do us some I think more this, points on this one. Yeah, this is a film that just really touches on my heartstrings. Uh, I guess you know by you grew up there in Belfast. I no, but it was just so. You know, it's Kenneth Branagh, and this could easily have been a very indulgent. Ends there for me. Yeah, but you know, not that you're unbiased and willing to give everything a try. You know, um, you'll watch some fucking weird ass fucking Easy Norwegian jingoism. <laughs> romp through fucking oslo no uh, no i just found it to be very non-unindulgent in that regard it was very wholesome and very tender very empathetic and just a really lovely watch and something you kind of mentioned when you sort of look at it and you kind of feel that sense of family and um arousal kind of, no not at all not arousal but that sense of this is something that you could show your children and just be part of something greater. Um, it captured that for me. It was just a really enjoyable, nice film that you leave feeling happy and you don't, it's sort of, 
it's just sort of wonderful in a really lovely way and the politics of it all and the violence of it all and it does kind of feel to recede in the face of just really strong wholesome content um and it's performed brilliantly and it's got a kid actor in it and a kid act a film with a kid actor could easily be really annoying and really crap but he's not he's really fantastic in this um it's sort of i always say that my favorite film of all time is mrs doubtfire and it's that kind of feeling to it it's just a sort of heart overhead um choice um, <laughs> Sorry, I just imagine Kenny Brown running around the streets of Belfast with bombs going off as dressed as a woman. <laughs> He's got a touch of that. <laughs> that's exactly it if you haven't seen it. Um, so he that, goes and bees and nanny. That's our films of 2022. I think you ended quite strong there. Well done. Um, What's your second one? For fuck's sake, are you serious? After Sun. <laughs> Go oh, back yeah. through it again. So that's our top 10. Very excited to see what 2023 brings. We've got June 2 coming out. Red is the, uh, not Red is the, Indiana Jones 5 is coming out. Oppenheimer's coming out. Other stuff. Marvel crap. Of course <laughs> it is. I churn about six of them out. Um, so Dan, that was it. Um, I've got to say, what was your film of the year? What you just thought? Was? <laughs> what was your film of the year? <laughs> oh, they, I don't know what you like best. Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, okay, Dan. Uh, can you think of a way to end the episode? I can indeed. Lovely little setup there. Um, so obviously, for those of you who don't know, Luke and I do live apart. And uh, <laughs> it was Christmas not long ago. <laughs> uh, it was Christmas not that long ago. And I unfortunately have not been able to send or see Luke to give him his gift. Though Still I thought... waiting on North Court uh, dinner for two from about 2016, aren't I? So... Yep, I did. I think I gave you that gift twice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd like to present it on screen to you now. Da 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 da. Oh, just some butter kissed popcorn. It's a bit strange, isn't it? I might why, hang why... up. I might stop the recording now, so you don't why get would, your, your punch. Why off. would you need butter kissed popcorn unless you were going to watch something? That's unless famous. you were going to watch in conversation with Quentin Tarantino. No way. Yes, way. When's that? We've got two tickets. I won't show you the receipt on how expensive they were, but on March but the twenty, tell me at every single <laughs> breath. Sunday, March the twenty sixth at seven thirty oh, p.m. I'm in York. I'm good. not going away. Oh, good. Well, I'm we'll joking, talk about I'm that. Joking, off I'm joking. I'm joking. And I know you struggle to read, being from the north, but it does include a free book, uh, which is his latest book about his. Um, his uh, foot feet films feet to hold and his films <laughs> uh, feet films his foot fetish oh wonderful it's... what questions should we ask um can i have a job <laughs> um, so happy christmas wonderful. quentin tarantino we'll get him on the pod and some butter kissed popcorn perfect i got a jumper what <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful way to end uh, we'll obviously get Tarantino sign up for a few episodes because remember our our podcast is ahead of us in the charts. So we'll... stop promising things. I think that... we understand that Tarantino coming on the podcast might be pie in the sky. Life of pie. <laughs> oh, you had something better, and I give you the runway. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> bye. You've been listening to a the rest is noise production. 
For sales and advertising, please email therestisnoise.uk at gmail.com. For more episodes and to keep up to date, follow The Rest Is Noise on Twitter.